are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 12 of the Lunch Break Podcast. My name is James Bodden, and the Lunch Break Podcast is a place where true sales professionals come to share their stories. And today, I am absolutely on fire excited about my guest, Saeed Hussein. Saeed has been working in sales for over seven years. He's currently the head of business development at Presley. He started his career as an SDR, worked his way up to being the head of sales at Usability Tools, which later got acquired by Unimo. He then served as head of sales for Live Chat, which got IPO'd, and then later Unimo. He also has his own company called Hustle X, which helps companies and salespeople effectively grow their business. So with all of that, you can see why I'm so pumped to have Saeed here today. Saeed, welcome to the Lunch Break Podcast, sir. Thank you so much for having me, James. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, with that, let's dive right into it. Saeed, you obviously have lots of experience in sales. You've done lots of different things, but let's take it back to the beginning. How did you get started in sales? <laughs> uh, I have the typical immigrant story of all. I mean, I'm from Pakistan, so I moved to Poland 2012. I really came here to study. Um, I was studying in a city called Poznan, which is literally two hours away from Berlin. And uh, three months in, I ran out of money. Mom told me that there is no option that she's going to be funding me because she already gave me pretty much everything that she had in savings. Yeah. So you just have to find your own way. Um, I started looking for a job. I'm not sure if you know Poland, but Poland six years back or seven years back, I was very difficult place for an immigrant to get a job. They're mostly speaking Polish, not a lot of English. And if you're a foreigner looking for a gig, it's quite next to impossible. Uh, lo and behold, I applied to 400 different places. I think it was like 410 places. Um, yeah. Yes, I got one rejection. Uh, 409 did not reply. Uh, I was thinking next month I'm buying myself a ticket back home, which I did not know where I would get the money from. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I started applying to other jobs and there was this company called Usability Tools, um, right, literally two kilometers away from my university. And they were looking for an SDR. Uh, I did not read the job uh, description or what were the responsibilities. I just needed a job because it said they need to find somebody who speaks English. So one thing that I got my like one thing that was going for me was that I I could speak. I mean I was speaking English well. So I applied. A week later they sent me an email. Two days later we got on a call. Three days later they offered me the job. Um, wow. It was a pretty stressful day because I had no idea what the company did. I had no idea about how the CRM works or how the sales process or funnel looks like, what Albon is. But um, the funniest thing of it all actually is that my boss at that time, Bartosz Muzerko, he's the godfather of my son. So tells you that we were very close. Yeah. At that time, he asked me a question, how much would you like to earn? And I told him I'd like to earn 500 Polish lots, which is around $125, uh, which pretty much covered my rent. And I said, if they give me that rest, I'll figure out one or the other. So yeah, that is how I got started. Um, and yeah, it's just like very, very, very humble beginnings. Wow. It, it's always so interesting to me how we all fall into sales. And yeah. one common thread is a lot of us fall into it out of absolute necessity. Oh yeah, totally. totally. Right. 
you had yeah. to find something you had to figure out a way to survive. And I think that's the beautiful part about sales is that for a lot of people, those entry level sales gigs, those SDR positions that opens a door. Uh, you know, it's a pretty low barrier to entry uh, in some cases, right? Allowing right. somebody with zero experience to come in and whether or not uh, they're fully prepared to immediately tackle the job, it's that opportunity. It's that chance. Yeah. Uh, for someone like you, you obviously had tremendous grit and determination to apply to 410 places, get one no, 409 non-responses, and then continue when your back's really up against the wall to push through and, and, and find that opportunity that it sounded like literally was around the corner, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, totally. So uh, kudos to you first off, but- Well, thank you. Uh, do you believe, so the first question I have is when you were talking to the folks at Usability, did you let them know the journey you had been on with the- Oh, hell no. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, they asked me, from their perspective, I was some kind of Prince of Persia that was just looking to get experience, but I mean, it couldn't have been farther from the truth. Uh, they grilled me. Those were the worst 30 minutes of my life. And it's funnily enough, it shaped me uh, because after that, like a few years in, I started recruiting myself and that kind of like stamped me and branded me to a fact that I started grilling people on the interviews which later on turned out that that's not how you really do things, right? You can't just grill people on the call, but for the prospect that they were looking for was more cold calling person. Uh, at that time, Wolf of Wall Street wasn't out, but the Always Be Closing video was rolling around. So they had this kind of phenomenon in the head. I mean, they told me, uh, I think like six, seven months down the line at a party somewhere that they knew it right there and then they wanted to hire me. They just wanted to peel this layers off to see, you know, what this guy is all about. So, yeah, I did not tell them what the, what the journey I've been uh, to and what exactly are my circumstances in terms of finances or, or, yeah. or my status here or whatnot, but it was just, it was a good, good yeah. call. Well, and the, the reason I ask is because it's just such a great real life example of the grit and hustle that you have and, and, and that grit can, you know, then be transferred to this role, but your, yeah. your experience that hellish 30 minute interrogation, uh, speaking of that low barrier to entry into sales, lots of people I talked to, including myself, that first experience mm -hmm. is m a lot of the time pretty rough. You get treated yeah. pretty, uh, pretty badly to put it bluntly yeah. in a lot of cases. I remember, the first day of my first real sales job selling cell phones in a kiosk at a, uh, the local mall, my boss told me, you know, if you don't go home and cry on your way home, I didn't do my job today. And oh, wow. it, 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 you know, I mean, it's like, whoa. And so very much along <laughs> the same lines of always be closing and, and, and harsh kind of interrogative oh questioning and, and, and that yeah. line of thinking, it is misguided because it's not oh, yeah. something yeah. that is truly effective, but it's so funny because I think we've all had that experience of just this incredibly 
uncomfortable moment. And what it does is it allows you, I mean, truthfully, it really puts your skills to the test. How, how well can you manage your emotions? How well can you stay focused and, and articulate, uh, be, you know, be articulate and, and, and answer these questions in a way that is appropriate for the setting, even though what they're doing to you isn't necessarily appropriate. So I think that's also great, man. And so you, you, you had that experience starting out zero experience, not knowing how to do anything of the job. So talk to us about how you then not only got into the role, started learning, but from your career since then, I mean, you immediately, it seems like dove into being a sales professional because I am a firm believer that there's a difference between a first year salesperson that is looking at this job as a job and a way to make some money. And then there's a difference between a first or second year salesperson that is looking at this as a real opportunity for a true career. So talk to us about your mindset during this time as you're now in this role where you've got all these things to do and you don't really know how to do them, but you manage to push through and and do a great job and then move on to newer and exciting roles. Talk to us about your mindset during yeah. that time. Totally. I mean, I was really lucky to have great boss. I mean, uh, uh, Kuba Kurlikovsky, um, he's, he's a head of sales right now at a very big company in Poznan. He's still based out of there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was very lucky to have him. I cannot... And I cannot emphasize enough that how important it is to have a role model because he still kind of shapes my life the way I do sales. It's still that one thing I remember he did third day I was in, in, in the company. Uh, he made a sale, he went boom on the table, right? And he went high-fived everybody. I, and it kind of clocked in me and I do that every single time I make a sale, which happens pretty often in SaaS, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, that kind of like got me and shaped me how, uh, towards how I am and how I did things. For me, it wasn't really a question about making money. It was really about survival. Uh, if I don't earn that paycheck, frankly speaking, I'm going seven hours that way, and that's the part of the world that I don't want to go back to. Uh, I mean, I love Pakistan. I'll, I'll, you know, it's, it's, it's a country that I really love, and it's where I'm from, but I just didn't want to go. At that time, I had a girlfriend, which later became my wife. And yeah, so like my motivation was very strong to be able to stay in Poland. Um, and also, I was studying uh, pretty much full time. So for me, in order to be able to do that and the job, which was also full time, and it was a lot of cold calls and not emails, so you can't really go into a class and start cold calling people. You need to be able to have a headset back then or Plantronics and then and, and just making those calls in, in, in the conference room. So my I didn't know anything. Um, I know that the first two days were very intensive. Um, I sat down with my head of sales, which was, I told about Cuba, we talked pretty much everything that it uh, was regarding the, the product. We didn't even touch the sales process until we actually were in the third day, which we just sat me down next to him. I shattered him. He showed me pretty much how to do everything. I sucked at even putting spaces in the emails. I didn't know what Yesware was. I didn't know what Salesforce was. I had to learn Salesforce and that by itself is a extremely difficult product to get on board on. Um, so yeah, I mean, just trying to learn different things. And I remember it was my first month and I was an SDR. My job was only one thing, to be able to qualify leads for the AE. So put the meat on the table so the guys can close. And I remember on the 29th day, I closed, it, I closed the deal. 
the guy who's qualified, I said, he said, well, he wants a demo on the call. And I'm like, um, sir, I would love to be able to schedule a demo with you. So how about Tuesday, 2 p.m. EST? He said, no, I want a demo right now. No account executive was available. I am literally 7 o'clock in the evening working with a lamp on. Um, I'm like, okay, let's get into the demo. Shivering, literally, I felt like that. I'm, I'm sweating bullets. All I had to change the, the shirt because he's going to see through the camera. <laughs> but I did it. I, I, I literally did it. And I was put on the spot and I literally just did did it. And he got the demo. 10 minutes later, he said, he sent me an email saying, yeah, I want to go ahead with your plan or the subscription that we had. I think it was $3,600. Nobody believed. We didn't use Slack back then. So we just had Google Hangouts. I called Google right away. He's like, dude, you're the man. We're coming over right now. <laughs> so yeah, we got beer and, and, and pretty much that got me started right there. And then that, hey, this is not that difficult. And I guess that they understood it back then as well, that this is something that he can do it as well. And pretty much that's where the journey began, right? So the SDR kind of just became a title and I started qualifying and of course, closing deals. So there was a lot going on, but that general push to just kind of like throw it in the deep water and then you got to fend for yourself from the sharks and everything. You got to learn how to swim. I think that was the best thing that ever happened to me. I didn't know what to do, but pretty much the, the let's say, uh, the, the the feedback that I got from my team um, and the training from the head of sales kind of like led me to be able to get to that moment where I could just do everything by myself and get to the stage where I just closed in the first month, which I didn't think was possible. I, that is such a great story for so many different reasons, Saeed, because it, first of all, I am a firm believer that every SDR should be able to close a customer. Just hands down. And I realized that saying that and looking at the nature of the way that the SDR profession is, is run right now doesn't make a whole lot of sense because typically, oh, no, it does not. you know, your SDRs have, li you know, very little experience. And so from the outside, it doesn't seem like something that you should be exposing them to. But you are a great example of... It's not always the best thing to, you know, handhold a new salesperson and, and coddle them. Uh, every salesperson I know has been in a scenario where they feel like they've been thrown in the deep end and had to learn how to swim. And we all gripe about how that sucks and how it's stressful and how you sweat and you got to change your shirt before the demo. I mean, all of that. But it's so important because you, re you have you're allowed to have that realization for yourself like you had. Whoa, yeah, totally. I can do this. This isn't something that's off in the distance as some sort of magical thing that somebody else can do, but I can't do. You were able to find that out very in a very real way for yourself, which I think is so great. And it speaks to the genius of your sales leadership. Because it sounds like from the, the, the story thus far, they knew pretty much right away that you had that natural ability to be a great salesperson. It's almost that you didn't know it yet. They knew oh, it. Oh, yeah. You know? Definitely not. Yeah, so definitely not. They gave you the necessary knowledge and the knowledge that they knew you would need at a very basic level, the base level, and then kind of said, go go be naturally yourself. And I think that is such a great way to work with somebody that comes into your organization that has that 
natural sales ability. Not everybody has it and everybody's a little bit different, but when you see that in a new salesperson, especially mix, mix that natural ability with your absolute necessity to succeed. And that's a recipe for exactly what happened an SDR yeah. closing a deal within his first 30 days. I mean, that is, that is so <laughs> that's great. That's important to make sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love I mean, it. Looking, looking back at, it, back at it, I do realize that like I did not know my full potential, but knowing or I mean, I think honing somebody's craft or honing their skills is a very important feature as a head of sales or now as a head of business development, I have realized that people sometimes or most of the time don't know their own potential. You kind of have to get it out of them. And that right there is a pretty important skill. That right there beats an MRR target that you can put on your, your, your head of sales, right? Because that's something they have to constantly think. They have to know you better than you know yourself. Not in yeah. a personal life, but in a professional setting. And I think, which is coming back to a point, if you can find a mentor, which is not six, seven, ten steps ahead of you, perhaps one, two, or three steps ahead of you, that is the best thing can anything or can happen to a salesperson in the start. They will teach you because they have been through it. It's pretty much fresh in their minds. This team is pretty small. The product is, let's say, not the best in the world. You still have to strive to make to, to make sales. They're not happening out of nowhere. If you have that kind of setting, and I'm not sure if there are a lot of them out there, that kind of creates the perfect storm. At least it did for me because I started understanding if I'm SDR and I'm taking 5% of the commission's home, why the hell is the account executive taking the rest of the 10%? I could do that, that <laughs> right there. We literally on the 29th and the 30th, I had to file my sales or qualify leads for the month. And I realized that something's fishy here, that I just got 15% for this when these blokes right here are getting 10. And that just right there creates that kind of grind hustle feeling that you want to say, okay, dude, hold on a second. If that guy can do it, I can do it that you want to get in there. And that right there is pretty important for you to grow as fast as you can. That does not mean if you don't know your product, you get on the phone. I have a pretty strict rule. Know your product before you even make the first call or the first email, because you might get into a situation where you might have to BS your way out of. And that right there is a perfect storm for somebody churning and giving you a bad review. So, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think you make a great point there. It, it is about the mixture of the knowledge that you know you need to have in order to have an intelligent conversation and, and truthfully not waste your prospects time. Because if you pick up the phone to cold call somebody without knowing what the hell you're going to talk to them about, you're only wasting everybody's time. You're wasting your time. You're wasting their time. But I think your, your point of knowing the product, but maybe not getting into paralysis by analysis and, mm -hmm. and, and just pushing yourself to get out there. I think yeah. with new salespeople, having that mentor there can help you avoid avoiding the phone. Because to your point, you, you uh, may not feel like you have all of the knowledge to get on the phone. And I've seen it so many times. I've done it myself. I've, I've literally had on my calendar like an hour blocked off for cold calls. And like 30 minutes out, I start thinking like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to start making these calls. And I'm not really, I don't really feel all that great about what, what I have to say to these people. And then 15 minutes out, I start thinking, well, maybe I should be doing something else. Maybe there's something else I can do, you know? And so you start talking yourself out of it. And yeah. 
And truthfully, the only way to get over that is just kind of jumping off the cliff and just doing it. Because you're, if yeah. you're in that cycle of a mindset, you're never going to feel prepared. And that's why that mentor that can be there to kind of be the one to push you off the cliff is so valuable. So, yeah, you know, you had that experience, you had these great mentors, you had these, these instances where you have these revelations that I can do this. I, I have the skills, I have the ability to be successful in sales. And then you moved on and, and got into leadership. So, Talk to us about your experiences as, you know, head of business development, leading teams, and, and, and how your experience as a frontline sales rep and the way that you were treated and trained and, and the way that you learned now affects the way that you lead your teams. Yeah, totally. Um, something interesting about Poland that it's a very small market when it comes to B2B. Um, and it's an extremely small market when it comes to SaaS software. Um, I think I can count literally on my both hands the number of companies that are out here that are doing, that's it, well um, in terms of SaaS. And then there's a lot of small ones. But still, we haven't pick up, picked up the wave of SaaS as strongly as the US and of course the UK and, and the and rest of the Western Europe. Uh, but yeah. we do have a lot of good companies. So if you get into the leadership role and if you are a person of color and you happen to speak English well and you're in this country and people start noticing you, you get under a really big microscope. So if you make mistakes, they're literally illuminated and magnified times 10 than, than anybody else in, in the system. So for me, mm. it was very difficult um, in the start because when I got into the head of sales role, it, it wasn't that I was a just jumped into it. It started out as me taking over one person under me because I knew how to do outbound well. And outbound was pretty much um, how we were getting most of our revenue. So just one person came under the wing, then two, then three. And then it just kind of created a situation where our current head of sales group had just moved on to a better and bigger role. Um, and my boss, he said, hey, Said, would you like to jump up to the head of sales position? Um, I was like, yeah, if I get the same perks as the guy who left. <laughs> <laughs> Master negotiator, Saeed. Master negotiator. Um, right. I mean, it, it's not what you, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you negotiate, right? So, I mean, that for me right there was a pretty bump in money, but also responsibility to be really honest. If I could go back to that time, I would never become the head of sales because I believe that head of sales are glorified babysitters mm. and account executives just make a lot more money. And at that time, albeit my survival mentality changed into make more money mentality. Yeah. Um, and I would have just stick to the account executive role. But then again, it just kind of made me grew and got into the semantics of pretty much different aspects of business. Um, now you're talking not sales, sales, you're thinking two, three, four, six months, uh, months ahead. You're talking CAC uh, over ARPU, you're, you're, you're talking MRR, you're talking new MRR, you're talking your targets, you're talking yeah. about the OKRs and how to make sure these people are, are driven, which is an extremely difficult job to make job and make sure the salespeople are doing well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that role was a big transition. I think one of the things I did well, which I was challenged by so many people here, and there's so many good salespeople in this country that I have, to have had the privilege to speak to, listen to, and of course, converse with, um, was that salespeople should only have a team target, or the head of sales should only have a team target, not an individual target. Which when it got to me, 
we always sell products to people with a particular ICP, right? If you're a UX person and usability tools was a tool for UX people, then you have the most hands-on experience and I should be talking to you, not your PO, not your decision maker, right? Because you're the one who's going to ultimately use the tool. So for me, it was pretty fascinating is that I'm the head of sales for a team, but I'm not going to be closing. It's kind. Like you're going to become obsolete. It's just like going to the gym, right? If you're not working that muscle, it's going to go obsolete. Three months in, I was not doing cold calls. Fourth month, I was scared to make the phone call, like you just said. I yeah. felt like it was some kind of esoteric, godlike feature that you have to get on the phone. And my team is cold calling, and I'm patient in my pants because I don't know how to get on the phone. And uh-huh. I am now under a microphone because there's six people next to me, and they're waiting how he's going to close that deal. Yeah. And I just don't know how to close that deal. And because I'm scared, you've got to put your game face on. So for me, it was a difficult transition. And the thing that I made, the change that I made, which I have made pretty much in every company I've worked ever since, is that I have an individual target. So if my team's target individual wants $2,000 in new MRR per person, $2,000 in new MRR is for me. That does not mean that I get some kind of special leads or we have a round robin. So pretty much one person gets a demo request, the other person gets that. And then I get the subsequent third one. Sure, I have meetings. Sure, I have, I have to do a lot of other stuff. But if salesperson is not ultimately closing, that for me right there, you kind of come into the category of preaching, which is pretty much why I love and dislike the relationship between the consultancy business that I have on the side, right? It's just because you're talking a lot but if you're not really executing, are you really doing something, right? You're just preaching yeah. at that point. And I'm not 40, 50 years old. I don't have 30 or 35 years of experience under my belt to be able to say, yeah, I've done that. See all the IPOs and mm-hmm. see pretty much all I've built that. I'm not a VP or SVP of sales or anywhere. So that kind of like transition was uh, pretty challenging, demanding. But I think that doing sales while being the head of sales really put a, like a stretch to that. I mean, it really made me stretch that to work over time, which is pretty much common, right? Anybody who says sales is a nine to five gig, they're they're in for they're in for a surprise. Yeah. So like that, yeah, that right there was like a big, big transition coming into that role. Um yeah, I mean, so that was the first one, head of sales at usability tools, and that company got acquired uh, big time. So I was like super yeah. happy because to go into a company, get to the head of sales, and that getting acquired at that time, I didn't realize how big of an opportunity this is, how big of a deal it is for a company to actually get acquired. It opens a whole door of opportunities for you. And that right there was the perfect thing that could ever happen. Those three years, perhaps the best that I ever had in my sales career so far. That's awesome, man. And, and you said so many great things because I think there are two schools of thought here. There's a school of thought that thinks a sales manager that carries a quota is going to be too focused on their own number and not able to effectively manage a team. And then there's people like you who feel like their sales muscles will become atrophied if they're not actively using them. And I've got to be honest with you, Saeed, I agree with you because the moment, so I had a very similar experience. I got into inside sales. It was my first inside sales job. I was selling office supplies over the phone to car dealerships and within six months was asked to be an inside sales manager. And as much as I was happy about that, I also felt like I'm not, I haven't even done 
I haven't even cold called more than six months in my entire life. I'm not ready. You know, I came from retail wireless sales. I'm not ready to start teaching people how to do this. And totally. I'll never forget my VP of sales told me because I said that I said, this is how I feel about it. And he told me, he was like, well, I don't need you to know how to sell better than anybody. I need you to manage the people who are selling better than anybody. And that doesn't mean that you have to be on the phone and, you know, selling every day. And so for me at that point, I said, okay, makes fair enough. I, I feel like I've always been able to get along with people and enjoy leading people. So sure, I'll try it. And within, you know, seven or eight months, I started feeling the exact same way that you did like a, it's the, like the imposter syndrome. Like here I am leading this sales team when I haven't made a cold call in a month and a half. And if you ask me to come close a deal, I would try and find some reason that I couldn't do it. I'd make up a meeting. I, you know, I don't know. But so having that feeling of like, "Mm, you know, am I really the guy that needs to be leading these people into battle? Uh, and yeah. so I can completely relate to that, Saeed. And, and so how did you kind of overcome that? And then, uh, you know, talk to us how that maybe led into your, the creation of, of your own company, Hustle X. Yeah, I mean, um, pretty much, I mean, touching, briefly touching the point that you just said and following up on that. I mean, if you're not down in, there, in, in the trenches with your guys, I struggle to think and understand how you could be, you could be a great manager, but at that stage of your career where you're just growing and I, and you are too. And I believe a lot of your listeners are yeah. for you to be able to, to, to be, for you to be able to leave the bread and butter of your profession and just move into managing. It's a great opportunity, but it comes with its disadvantages, right? So you have to be able to, kind of make sure you're, you're, you're practicing that muscle. I just, I cannot argue with somebody saying that, hey, the leads are bad. <laughs> well, leads are bad. And I can see that in the numbers. It reflects that leads are bad. Maybe you're just cra- getting crappier at doing it, or maybe you're slacking, right? I mean, maybe I can help you with that, but I can't really say or do that until unless, of course, I'm in there and touching those leads and yeah. then qualifying them, then I can go, damn, dude, he is right. Maybe we need to talk to marketing or perhaps, of course, we're not touching the right ICP. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, coming, coming back to your question uh, in terms of like how, how did I overcome this, to be really honest, the thing that I have against, and this is something that I'm trying to avoid right now, is that when you're thinking a lot of big picture, which as a head of sales or a manager, you have to think big picture, the tasks that are very simple and tedious or day-to-day like follow-ups become very, very difficult for you. You go into your HubSpot or you go into your Salesforce and you look at the tasks for the day and you can see they're red because they're overdue by a day. You have to follow up on them and then there's the rest of the other ones that you have to do and then you have to create a, you have to talk to your boss because there's a meeting (laughs) as to why the hell we're not growing at that percentage and then you look at chart mobile. And you go, damn, what the hell is going on? You look back to your sales team. Hey, dude, guys, what are you doing? Like, give them a push. And they're like, yeah, we're already maxed out. Yeah. 
and it, it's just it's just a big problem, especially if you had kids at home. You know, it's, it's <laughs> Let, yeah, let's not talk about that. Whole other, <laughs> that's your second job that you go to after yeah, right. you know ten hours of of leading uh, some other professional children, as you put it, right. professional babysitter. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right. And they're they're just ungrateful ones, right? I mean, <laughs> it gets very complicated. So you, so for me to be able to, and and this is one of the things where people that I've worked with back then are still in touch with me is the fact that, Hey, this guy actually understands the fact that this is difficult. He is doing it with us just because you're ahead of sales and sitting on a fancy seat does not mean you're exempt from this, right? If you're carrying a team quota means you are a part of a team, right? Yeah. You have to be that working function in there. And what better way is it than to lead by example, which kind of like was a big transition for me when I moved into live chat. Lightship is the biggest company in SaaS in Poland. They IPO'd worth almost a million dollars. Wow. And I think, and their EBITDA is 75%. It is unheard of in the world anywhere. I understand that Zendesk is still, I think they're in negative. So for, for, to be able to see that company function with 60 people doing a billion slots, which is almost quarter, more than quarter of a mil, million dollars, it's it's bizarre to be able to kind of like get into that organization and see how well they function. It's unbelievable how they grow. And that's where kind of like the transition happened where I was like, okay, you have to stop doing sales. You have mm. to start growing sales. Where you have a lot of self-service customers and you have some big ass names coming through your door every single day because they want those enterprise deals and you just have to work on that. Teach what you know to other people and get them to work and grow that machine or the well-oiled machine. And for me, that transition, it didn't work out very well. I mean, I, I worked in, in, in a live chat almost a year, I think 11 months. And at the end of the day, I spoke to Maurice and he was like, like, this is not working out. Like, I want to do sales. What you need is somebody with 10 to 12 years of experience who can be the SVP here and they would happily run that organization for you good yeah. money, good location, corner office. They're going to do great. It's just not for me. And that is why I got back um, with Unimo and I became the head of sales because Bartosz, my previous CEO, he said, dude, like, we're just starting here. We're doing 2 million in ARR. Um, we've got a fantastic team. We're looking to acquire a couple of other companies. Who better way to you know, have you join us and, and lead the way? Yeah. Um, I got in there. And again, the whole process was when I came in, I had a big, huge room with glass windows or glass panels. And I had a small desk from Ikea and I was the only person sitting there cold calling the hell out of people in dark. Um, and that was, <laughs> I love it. and I had to build that whole sales team. And the only way I did it, the whole premise behind that was only one, that if you're in this team, you got to know A, the product very well, and you got to be willing to be able to do things like take the lead all the way from qualification to buying. There is no transitioning from changing hands from qualification to doing a demo. Uh, to pushing it off. The only way it's going to get pushed off is you giving that to customer success once we have a new customer. Yep. So that kind of like gave me uh, a blank canvas to be able to create my own team. And I think that was the perfect thing that I could happen at that time because I, it was a great mix of kind of like my own sales mentality plus learning from other people, setting up goals the way I like it. And of course, making sure that I have a stake in that too. And having that whiteboard where you just mark the numbers, you know, who's closing the most deals or who's closing how many deals and what's the ARPU and what's yeah. the, the, the average sales cycle. And that right there is just perfect, right? I mean, that transition just, just 
that worked for me and it clearly works for me today. And I'm like really glad to be able to have that kind of support in a company for you to be able to conjure this shit up and to be able to do that without any hesitation. No. And I think that is so key for anybody listening out there. That element that Saeed displayed of self-awareness in, in your career is probably going to be one of the leading factors in how quickly your career grows. Because if you hadn't had that self-awareness to say, you know, great company, great place to be on the outside, you know, no reason to leave, but in your heart, you knew that it just wasn't right. You knew that you weren't going to be able to do what they truly needed. And yeah. and that self-awareness allowed you to then go find that opportunity that, that really was right in your wheelhouse. And, and then you've now left a situation for the better because then that company can go find the right person largely based off of the recommendations that you've given them. So that's, that's almost the opposite. That's the opposite of burning a bridge. That's helping them build one. And oh yeah, then, Right. And then you get yourself into a scenario where you can really provide some value and, 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 and live in the type of sales environment that you want to live in. And so that leads us to what you're currently doing. Talk to us about what you're currently doing at Presley. Yeah. So I'm the head of business development here and uh, how I came to work with Presley was the fact. So I wanted to work with as many companies in Poland as I can. That's why I have this hustle X uh, on the side. And that's pretty much people used to question or write questions to me saying, Said, how do you scale up on how, which tools do you recommend for CRM for email tracking this and that? And I kind of felt like that they're taking a lot of my time. So mm -hmm. I opened up a company and said, Hey, if I'm answering these questions and I'm doing these gigs, I get paid for it, right? I mean, yeah. money wasn't the only motivation, but it was giving back to the community. But it turned out that paying back to the community is a big leech. And <laughs> once they leech onto you and they get that free access, that is pretty difficult to get rid of. So I yeah. put that money or financial aspect to it, which I'm not complaining about. Um, so at, at Presley, this was the closest company that I could work with that I got good recommendations from. I actually got a recommendation from uh, the person I used to work with, the usability tools that they were looking for a, uh, for, for a salesperson, manager, and I think you'd be perfect for this role. And I wanted to get out of the shadow of Poland. Poland mm. is great. I love it. But I want to get into a bigger and better talent pool. And my ultimately goal, of course, would be to go to the United States. That's where my parents are. I would love to be able to kind of like go there and work with companies that just do things 10x and better on a Grand Cardone level. Or you have the kind of like Gary Visa there. I just want to work with that because you can be a big fish in, in the small uh, pull, or you could be a small fish in the big one. I would rather be that to be able to learn from people. People are just better than you, right? I don't want to be the voice of sales. I want to be the, the, the learner. I'm the apprentice here. Like I'm just yeah. learning. I have so much to learn. I have so much to grow into. So Presley gave a unique opportunity because they simply said that we're not looking to build out a huge sales team. Uh, we are looking to build out inside sales, pretty small team, low key, we want to expand into bigger accounts, do more enterprise sales, and that's what, what our goal is. 
And to be really honest, working on a small um, sales cycle, I kind of like wanted to try that different venue out because I've tried SMB, I've tried, you know, $3,000, $4,000, $10,000 already, $12,000 already. I wanted to try somewhere along the lines of plus 30, yeah. right? See how that feels like. But not plus 30, that would take six months to close. <laughs> yeah. And some ridiculous numbers they had in terms of like the closing rate for like, 40% and on top of it, the sales cycle is, is, is less than four months or something. So it was like pretty crazy numbers. Not yeah. always sales, but it was majority of the time working with enterprises like Emirates, Qatar Pacific, uh, you name it. I mean, they got it. So I just wanted to work in that dynamic with a lot of people from a lot of different countries and not just Poland. And that kind of created the perfect opportunity once again for me. I've just so far been very, very lucky to be able to have met these people and just wanted to work in that and see if I can tap out of Poland and see what else is out there. Um, people who know things better than me uh, or founders that have a better understanding of the market that is outside of my uh, understanding right now. And that's where I got in touch with Presley. It was a very funny story because I wanted to work with Presley in 2016. Uh, we got a call up for like the, this whole hiring process lasts around a month. And yeah. after that, Jesse, my CEO at that time, he said, say, you know what? We're not in any need for a person like that. So let's just keep it for now and we'll see you later. Eight months later, I, I think it was after Christmas, I got a call, uh, email one day and he said, yeah, now's the time we're looking for you or a person like you if you want to join or more than welcome. And it was like, it was not easy at that time. I was just taking some time on my consulting gigs and it just came at the right opportune moment because I was getting tired of preaching. I need yeah. to get back into the cycle of selling. I just, like I said before, got extremely lucky and had the good fortune to work with such great companies and of course, Presley right now. I love it. I love it. And, and one thing that I, I want to mention is that your, your point of view on not wanting to be the quote unquote voice of sales for, for your region is, is such an advantageous attitude to have. Because I think I meet so many people here that want to be that guy. They want to be the Gary or the Grant. And they don't realize that the reason that we love these people is because they spent years doing the work. You know, I just, Gary V always talks about, he's, you know, spent 10 years selling wine and nobody ever heard from him and he didn't have a Twitter account and Grant Cardone, if you look at his past, you know, he was slanging cars and selling auto training dealership before he ever, you know, uh, posted a YouTube video. And I think the way that you see it, I need to be a learner. I want to be a sponge to all of these great, uh, you know, sales talents that I can learn from actually puts you in a position where people will continue to look to you for advice and valuable insight. But the reason that they're doing that is because you're a practitioner. You're out there every day doing the work. And, and if you're smart as a frontline salesperson and you're looking for content, you're going to look for content from people like you. You know, because I think there are, we're in this era of gurus and ninjas or rock stars or whatever you want to call yourself. And very quickly, it becomes obvious that it's, it's all high level. You know, hey, if you want to be good at sales, you should care about the customer. No shit. 
right? I mean, like, obviously, tell me something that I can, that I can use. Uh, and the reason you can't tell me that is because you haven't done it. And so, yeah. you know, I think your aspirations uh, of, of the way that you want to grow your career you're obviously doing all of the right things, Saeed. And, and, and I, one Thank thing you. I'm happy about is that now all these sales leaders in the U.S. can hear your story and hear oh, the yeah. way that you look at, at sales and, <laughs> and reach out to you, man, because you're, you're somebody who understands what, what it means to do sales the right way. And we need replicas of 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 you uh in our profession because oh, wow. you know we um we're at this point where there's a I, every day i read something on linkedin about somebody being turned off by a salesperson you know i connected with them and they pitched me right away or they pitched me on a service that if they had taken two seconds to look at my linkedin profile they would have seen that it would make no sense to send me this or, you know, the sales reps that are out there thinking like, you know, my manager is so out of touch. They're not on the front lines with us. They don't know what's going on. You know, we need these people that are, you know, like I said, going to do it the right way, <clears throat> do what's best for the customer, do what's best for their team. And, and so I'm just so glad that, that you're out here doing your thing, man. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and super, super happy to have had you on the show you know, as we wrap it up here, uh, the, the only question that I ask every guest that comes on the Lunch Break podcast is, what is your favorite place to eat lunch? Oh, my God. I'm missing U.S. so much um, <laughs> that I would say it's, it's Raising Cane's. I'm, I'm, not a big fan of, I'm not a big fan of junk food, but Raising Cane's and the cane sauce is something that I would never, ever, ever deny uh, mm. any day of the week, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's some kind of like fascinating relationships I have with chicken's fingers and, <laughs> and the cane sauce. Along with that, an Arnold Palmer and you got me. I mean, I, I'm ready to close anyway. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that, that's a great combination, man. The Raising Cane and the Arnold Palm. Nice. I love it. That, yeah. that might be uh, in the running for one of the best answers of all time. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's funny because I speak to people from the East Coast and they've never heard of Raising Cane's. And for me, that is, is obscene because I was in Columbus, Ohio. There is, number one, there is a contender for that restaurant. And it's actually got hot chicken takeover. And they're like super spicy food. If you're ever in Ohio, you have got to go to that place. And that would be my second best place to eat lunch. And oh my God, it's all junk, but it's, it's <laughs> phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It really I love is. It. I love it. Hey, you only live once, right? Let's, let's eat what we like and, and, oh, yeah, and have a definitely. bit of fun. <laughs> well, yeah, well, Saeed, uh, you know, as we wrap up here, how can folks get in touch with you? You have a lot to offer. <laughs> Tell them how they can get uh, in contact with you, buddy. Sure. I mean, my email is site at hustlex.io. Um, my LinkedIn profile, I mean, anybody reaches out. My thing is, uh, if somebody asks me a question, I answer them. There is no hook. I have nothing to plug here. Um, company's doing well. I'm doing really well. Uh, but I would love to be able to talk with people, right? I literally want to learn and understand how people are experiencing sales. And perhaps I can learn something from them. They can learn something from me. I would love to be able to have that experience with people outside of, of course, the European Union that I am currently in. So if anybody has any questions or anything or wants to rebuke anything I'm saying, I would love to have a discussion on that and just talk to people. So anybody can reach out to me. I'm not a big Twitter fan, not a big, 
big social media guy. I just have an email, which I very, very much active on. And I'm looking at it all the time. So if anybody writes to me, I'll most definitely get back to them and then just take it from there. I love it, Saeed. Uh, my personal recommendation is that anybody listening, please do that immediately. Oh, and the other thing that I wanted to, to, to mention before we wrapped up, I forgot to mention this at the beginning, was Saeed was an expert follow-up artist to, to, to come on this podcast. I, I had put something on LinkedIn and got a ton of responses and, and was being uh, absolutely unorganized when it came to scheduling these things. And I probably told Saeed like three or four times, hey, I'm going to send you an email or, you know, hey, I'm going to do this. And, and he would just follow up in like five days just with a quick ping. And, and I, the whole time I'm like, damn, this guy's a good sales guy damn, this guy's a good sales guy. And, and he made it happen. He, he got me to, to get my act together and, and just so happy to have had you here, Saeed. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super humbled. It's my wife that kept me going. She said, keep pinging, keep going at it, right? I mean, that's pretty much it. You got to stick to the basics when it comes to sales. And there is no harm in a follow-up right? um, because we got to meet each other and definitely yeah. be, you know, talking to each other some more. If you have any questions, I'm more than happy to answer. I'll be asking you. It's, it's just, it's a relationship that came literally came out of the web. So I would yeah. love to be able to kind of like grow and nurture that. So thank you so much for having me. Truly humbled. If you need anything, I'm at your disposal. Thank you so much, Saeed. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode 12 of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.